0: Tonight we're back in our study of Proverbs. We're back to a section of God telling us here is my wisdom in practical life application. God is saying here in order to be blessed, in order to be blessed in our daily lives and in order to live lives that honor him, do these things. That's really what he's saying. Do these things and do not do these things. Refrain from these things. Even be warned against these things. Now, remember, think about all the times that you said, I wish God would just spell it out. You ever say that? I wish God would just tell me. I wish he would just spell it out. I would, He would just lay it out plain for me. Well, here it is. God is laying it out. He is making it plain for us. Now, before we get moving tonight, I want you to think about this. So how will this make an impact? God is saying, here's how you live in a way that will bless you in a way that will please him, here is how you live. How is this going to make an impact in our life? That is the goal. Well, a couple things have to happen. The first is this, you have to hear it. You have to hear it. You have to read it. You have to hear it. That's part of your being here tonight. The second thing is this, you have to not just take it in, not just hear it, but you have to remember it. Now, that may mean if you're like me, you have to hear it 19 times uh, if you're going to remember. it. You have to think about it. Maybe you need to memorize it. Maybe you need to write it down in a set of notes. For sure, you need to remember where to find it uh, in the day that you do need it. So the first thing, if this is going to make an impact, we have to hear it. We have to take it in. Second thing, we have to remember it. And the third thing is this. We have to actually commit to do it. We have to commit to obey it. Now, when I think about that, I wonder how many times that we go through and, hey, we're moving through Proverbs and God is telling us what to do, telling us not what, to, what not to do, and I wonder how many times we hear and we've already decided, yeah, I'm not doing that. Now, <laughs> this one, okay, I like that one. I'll do this one. But we hear it and we're like, yeah, you know what, I'm not not doing that. And so we just let it pass right by. Well, we have to be sure of what God says. We have to trust God about what he says, what he is saying. And listen, if it's going to carry an impact, we have to be ready to live it out. We have to walk it out in obedience. And so that's where we're at tonight. We left off last week in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 15. We're going to start back tonight in in verse 16. So Proverbs chapter 25, beginning back tonight in verse 16. All right, here we go. God's word says this. Have you found honey? Eat only what you need that that you not have it in excess and vomit it. Now That's kind of a crazy verse. Have you found honey? Eat only what you need that you not have it in excess and vomit it. Here's the point to the verse. Is there too much of a good thing? Can there be too much of a good thing? Well, the Bible tells us here in verse 16, the answer is clearly yes. I was thinking about this verse. I remember when I was in the fifth grade, uh, we rarely had cookies or desserts uh, at home. Now, we would occasionally, we would at special events, But my my mom didn't just keep cookies around for us uh, to always eat. Uh, I remember there was a time I was in fifth grade. My mom bought a pack of Oreos. And I don't know who made Oreos, but they've made the perfect dessert. Uh, Nothing is better than than an Oreo. Uh, I came home from school. And I remember I think it was a a Monday or Tuesday evening. It was early in the week. And I came home from school and I got in and I saw that pack of Oreos uh, sitting there on the counter. Uh, I filled up a big plastic Hardee's cup of milk, some of you will remember those, filled one of those up, and I took that pack to my room, uh, I turned on Gilligan's Island, and I ate the whole pack. <laughs> it's not that hard, two at a time, it's not, it sounds like a hard thing, it's really not that hard. Uh, it took me about an hour, hour and a half, but I ate that whole pack, and I missed school the next day. The Bible says this, have you found honey? Have you found something good? Have you found something you enjoy? Well, here's what it says. Eat only what you need. The word is actually there. Eat only what you need. Now, the Hebrew word, the original language for that word, need, means what is sufficient. Now, listen to that, the depth of that. Eat only what is sufficient. Another translation, eat only what is enough. The picture is, Get what you need, get what is enough, do not do without, but have no more. Now, that's an interesting verse that, that God puts in there. Get what you need, get what is enough, but no more than that. Now, here's the thing. Here's the conflict. We are built for greed, and that's an instinct that's just in us. And If we like something, you know what? If a little bit's good, a little a more will be better than that. And it's never enough. And I don't know, maybe that's a gross part of our human instinct. But we're built for more. We're built for greed. Well, God's wisdom says, be self-controlled. That's what it's telling us there. Trust God. There's going to be enough later. If you're supposed to have honey at a later date, he'll provide that. Be self-controlled. Get what you need, but nothing more than that. It says, do not have it in excess unless you become sick. Verse 16 here is a call for self-control. It is a call for self-restraint. It is really a call for us to be evaluating how much do I need. Now, listen, it's got one example here, but this could apply to a whole lot of areas. As we go through life, we're to be evaluating how Much do I need? How much do I need in a car? How much do I need in a house? Do I need more square footage than this? How much do I need? Now notice, this is your being in control. I think that's an important thing to point out. This is your evaluation. It is your decision, and it is your being in control. This is not somebody else restricting you This is not somebody else limiting you and saying, hey, that's enough. Hey, we've got to cut you off. It is your being in control. In all of life, in all areas, we would do well to evaluate. Do I need this? Is this necessary? Is this profitable for me? Or is this in excess? Is this nonsense? Now, we want to grow in that. We want to develop in that. I thought about that. We want to be growing in that. We want to be doing better in that. We want to be thoughtful people, self-controlled people. Now I want you to think about that. The context of that story, it's a true story. I was in fifth grade. What if I told you that was last week? Last week I came in and I just got all sloppy and had a whole bag of Oreos. That'd be gross. That would be weird. We're to be growing in self-control. We are to be growing in the process of evaluating and it's to show up in how we live. Verse 16 again. Have you found honey? Eat only what you need that you not have it in excess and vomit it. All right, verse 17. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house or he will become weary of you and hate you let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house or he will become weary of you and hate you now I think about verse 17 these are pretty weird verses this is a weird verse god actually says do not wear out your welcome do not wear out your welcome to be wise here's what god says let your foot rarely now that word rarely in the original language in hebrew it means, now it's, it's kind of different. We would think rarely, we would say scarcely. It's different than that. It means prized, it means precious. And so here's the picture see what it says here. You come over occasionally, and people, the neighbors, are glad to see you. When you come over, it's a good thing. We're going to have a good time. We're going to laugh. We're going to talk. It is a joy. They're glad that you're there. They enjoy you. They look forward to it. And so when your foot comes over rarely, it's a prized, precious thing. But start to be regular, and they're kind of like, okay, this isn't a treasure. Up it a couple notches and make it all the time. They come off work, and you're standing out in the driveway. (laughs) Guess what they're going to start to do? They're going to start to hate you. That's what the Bible says. You've worn out your welcome. They come over. Your car pulls in. You're trying to get the garage door down, and here they come. Here they come. Don't move. (laughs) Get away from the windows. Hey, get the dog. Anybody ever done that? When I go over, I hear people say they're shutting the blinds. Shh, it's the preacher. (laughs) That's when I go home, actually. (laughs) God's wisdom is this. Make people glad to see you. Make people glad to see you. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house or he will become weary of you and hate you. All right, verse 18. Like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. Listen to that again. Like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. Now, we're about to have a section of three verses here that give us a warning, that provide us with a warning about some people to avoid. Now, I think it's sometimes we have a hard time that there are actually people that God says we would have a better life, and it would honor him more if we would avoid those people. And I think, well, that doesn't sound very Christian, that doesn't sound like something we we ought to embrace, but... It actually says there are people that our lives would be better and that we would honor God in our life more if we would get away from those people. The Bible actually clearly tells us that. Now it's going to give us, again, an example of some folks to avoid, a warning of people to avoid. It says, first person is this, a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. The first person we ought to avoid is this, a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. This is a person, a very simply, that is a liar. This is a person that lies, this is a person that lies about the neighbor. Now here's what the verse is telling us about this person. They are a dangerous person. I don't know, sometimes we think well they're a nuisance or or they're not dependable. They are a dangerous person like a club that would hit you, like a sword that would stab you, like a sharp arrow that would get you, pierce you from a distance. These people are dangerous. And so the verse is warning us against people that tell lies, that are not truthful, that lie about the neighbors. They are dangerous people. Be sure, people who are dishonest, people who lie about others, we're to get away from them, we're to not make close acquaintance, close friendships with them. If you do, here's what the Bible says, you run the risk of getting hurt. You run the risk of suffering injury. And so the first warning here is against the dishonest person. Be warned about the dishonest person, all right, verse 18. Again, like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow, is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. The next warning is in verse 19. It's this. Like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in a time of trouble. Let me read that again. Like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in a time of trouble. The second person, the second warning is trusting a non-trustworthy person in a time of trouble. Trusting a non-dependable person in a time of trouble. Now, I was trying to think, what does that look like? Uh, That person could be a liar. They're not going to tell the truth. Uh, That person could be a big talker. They could promise all the things they're going to do, but they never do those things. Now, that person could just be undependable. They're they're not dependable. They're not there for you. They may act like it, but they're not there for you. And when crunch time comes, you cannot count on them. That tells us what they're like. The person that's not dependable, that's not trustworthy, it says they're like a bad tooth. I can tell you this. Few things hurt worse than a bad tooth. Maybe you know that. A few things hurt worse than a bad tooth. It hurts. You got a bad tooth, it hurts. You have a bad tooth, there's no relief. You bite down and it, ooh, it just, it makes you wince. It hurts. You're ready to eat and you have a bad tooth. Second picture here is it says they're like an unsteady foot. The picture here is a twisted ankle, a sprained ankle. You ever have a sprained ankle? You can't put any weight on it. You can't use it. And you think, well, maybe it's getting better. Oh, you can't put any weight on it. And you're hindered. You are handicapped because of that injured ankle. Well, here's the wisdom of God. Wisdom of God is this. Listen very carefully. Mark off undependable people. Count them as that. They've revealed themselves for whatever reason is undependable. Count them as that and fill your life with people that up, down, turn around, whatever happens, they are there. And if you need help, they're going to help. And if you need somebody to stand as a confidant, they're a confidant. If you need a person to stand with you in trouble and trials, they're going to do that. If you need a person to sacrifice with you, they're going to do that. you need a person that you can trust, they're going to be a person that you can trust. Surround yourself with dependable people. So the second warning is against people that are undependable. Verse 19 again, like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in a time of trouble. The third warning is in verse 20. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day or like vinegar on soda is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. Now that's kind of a, a strange verse. Let me read it again. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day or like vinegar on soda is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. Now that's, again, kind of a strange verse. Let me explain it to you. It is a cold day. Now picture this. It is a cold day. For some of y'all, that's any day not 80 degrees or above. It is a cold day, and somebody takes your jacket. I don't know, for whatever reason, I don't know how they do it, but it's a cold day, and it's windy, and somebody takes your jacket. Now listen, that's, that's upsetting. You're cold. You're uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. It sets you on edge. It's a cold day, and somebody's taking your jacket. Now, the other example is this. Or like vinegar on soda. You ever take baking soda and pour vinegar on it? Uh, We used to make volcanoes every now and then. They would erupt, and they would fizz up, and they would blow up. Well, the Bible says, like that, like those things, is a person who sings songs to a troubled heart. Now, here's the strange part. Let me me walk it out for you. Let me explain it to you. The picture is this. They are not cheering you up. Now, that's what might be confusing. They're not singing songs to comfort you. They're not singing songs with you. They are being jovial. They are goofing off. They are messing around. They are playing, and they're doing that to a person who has a troubled heart. You ever have an issue, and you're hurt, and you're sad, and you're troubled, and somebody comes along, and maybe they can't read the room, or maybe they can read the room, and their answer is just to mess with you, and their answer is just to joke with you, I have somebody in mind, and I'm telling you this. I won't tell you who it is. You're having a hard time, and you're trying to work through something, and it's tough, and it's a serious thing, and they come along, and their answers are to provoke you and to push you and to laugh and to sing and to push all your buttons. And then you get mad, or I do, and you blow up like the fizz out of the vinegar and the soda, and what do they do? Oh, I I was just playing. You are crazy. I'm just playing. I was just playing. I was just playing. There are people like that. I think this is very interesting. Again, I have somebody in mind. But here's what's crazy to me. God knows about people like that. And You you're come along, somebody's upset, and, and you come along and you miss it or maybe you don't miss it, and you provoke them and you laugh and you're jovial, and God knows about those people. In verse 20, my paraphrase is this. He tells us those people are annoying. That's what he says. To operate in godly wisdom, listen very carefully. Find people that will laugh, and I'm talking laugh when it's time to laugh. And find people that will cry when it's time to cry. And find people that have enough sense to be silent when it's time to be silent. And find people that will help when you need help. And find people who have enough wisdom to discern when each of those things fit. You know what, it's time, there's times to laugh. There's times to cry, there's times to be silent. There's times to help. And we need to surround ourselves with people that have enough wisdom that they can discern when that time is. Now, there's a flip side of that, and that is this. And then you be that person. You be that person. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. It makes sense now. Or like vinegar on soda is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. All right, moving on. We're going to read the next Two verses, verses 21 and 22 together. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. All right, here's the deal in these two verses. First, truth is this we have enemies. We have enemies. Now, that's the truth. That's the reality. The Bible says that we are to work not to have enemies. The Bible says as far as it depends on us, we're to have peace with all people. We're to strive not to have enemies. But the reality is we may find ourselves with enemies. Now, what that means is this. Now, I'm going to describe an enemy to you. There are people that do not like us. Your enemy does not like you. There are people that are against you. Your enemy is against you. There are people that seek your harm. Your enemy, if they could, they would seek your harm. And so these are not just unfriendly people. These are just not people that we do not mess with. These are enemies. They are set against you. They don't like you. If they could hurt you, they would hurt you. We have enemies. Well, if we are trying to operate in God's wisdom, the question becomes, how do we treat them? We have enemies. They're trying to hurt us. They're against us. How do we treat them? Well, here's what the Bible says. If they are hungry, if they are in need, the Bible says, feed them. If they are thirsty, the Bible says, give them Water to drink. Now, let me sum that up. What that means is we are to help them. If we can, we are to try and aid them. We are to be gracious to them. If you have an enemy and they are fixed against you, they are set against you, how do you respond as a person that's trying to honor God, a person that's walking in the truth of Jesus Christ? We are to be gracious to them. Our greatest example is Jesus himself. Gracious to his enemies. We're to be gracious to those who would harm us. Listen to verse 21 again. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Verse 22. Listen to this again. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, I've heard that ever since I was a kid, and that's always been an odd thing to hear. Heap some burning coals on their head. Now, we just read a verse about being gracious. That doesn't sound very gracious to me. A heap of coals on their head, that doesn't sound like that's a very nice thing to me. Now, there are some that say this is corrective, that it's a way to correct them. Now, that sounds a lot nicer, so I'm trying to correct them. I looked into it. That's not what this means. It's not corrective. That's not what it means. It is punitive. Now listen very carefully. It is not corrective. We're not trying to correct them. It is actually punitive. In the original language, it actually means to take burning hot coals. You got a fire and it's going and you scrape some of the coals out of it and they're red hot and you pile them up on your shovel and you take them over and you dump them on their head. It is payback. It is punitive. So what does this mean? How do we pay back evil? With good. How do we get back at evil? With hot coals? No. It is with doing good. However, now here's what it's it's telling us. There's also the reality that it will cause pain. Your enemy's not going to like it. They're set against you and your only response to them is to be gracious, to do good. They're not going to like it. In fact, it's probably going to make their head burn. It's going to make their head steam. I've actually seen that. Now here's the best part of the whole verse. And the Lord will reward you. This this is the word of God. And the Lord will reward you. I like to think about that. And the Lord will Reward you. It means this. God actually sees you. And and he actually knows you. And he knows you've been hurt and he knows you've been injured and he knows you may be upset and he knows you may be mad and he knows you may sit there at night and lay on your pillow and think, if I get them like this, I'd get them like that tomorrow and I may set a trap for them. He knows you may be plotting. He may be burning against them. He knows that. But he also sees you. And when he sees you respond like Christ, here's what the Bible says, God rewards you. Now, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that's going to involve. But God tells us when we respond like Christ, when we do not respond tit for tat, when we do not respond like the world, God sees that. He knows we're mad, but he sees that. And God will rewards you. Let me tell you something. It's taken me a while to figure this out. I would rather have the Lord's reward than retribution. I used to think a whole lot more of retribution. I used to think a whole lot more of paying somebody back. But I want to tell you something. I know my Savior and I know my God and I know his graciousness. And I would rather have the Lord's reward than to seek retribution. I would rather have the Lord's approval. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. We're going to stop right there. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come and we praise you, we thank you, we worship you. We come as your people, and Lord, we know we are sinners. We know each of us that we have sinned, that we've rebelled against you, but we also know you are gracious, you are forgiving, and in the person of, of Christ, you make a way for us. And so we come tonight, Lord, we tell you we love you, we tell you we thank you, we leave here tonight, and we celebrate you, our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we come and I, I pray thinking about again the message from this morning. And I think about folks that are hurting for many different ways, many different things. I pray, Lord, that they would find peace in the truth. And I pray, Lord, that even now many ears would continue to hear and there would be peace and there would be joy and there would be again the truth that exalts our Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray for those that have suffered loss, Lord, Show them peace. That's your business. That's what you do. Show them grace. That's who you are. Let them hear your good news. Help us to be agents of that. Lord, I pray as we've come tonight, I pray that you have led us tonight, that you have grown us tonight in just these few verses that you have built us tonight. I pray that we wouldn't just hear these verses, but they would become part of us, that we would remember them. And I pray, Lord, as we go out of here, we go back to our daily lives that we would already be resolved to live them out. We'd be careful who we associate with. We'd be careful those that we could help and build up, and we'd surround ourselves with those folks, and that we would be one of those people. Lord, I pray that we would take your cue, and we would hold up your word, and we would be gracious to those who we would consider our enemies, who would consider us their enemies. I pray, Lord, that in that you would be glorified and known. Lord, we come tonight and we pray for our church. I ask that you would bless it. I ask that you would grow it. I ask that you would use it. Lord, I pray for the families, for the homes of our church. I pray, Lord, that there would be a turning, a desire to, to, to know you through your word, to study your word, to read your word, to walk in obedience to your word. I pray for dads that they would grow and for mothers that they would grow. I pray for kids that would grow in the nurture of the Lord. Lord, I pray for us as we go out this week. I pray for those that will go to the nursing home, those that will send out letters, those that will make visits. Lord, I pray that your grace and your love is known through those efforts as well, that you would multiply them and bless them. Lord, I pray rejoicing in this Lord's day in a risen Savior, a standing hope, an anchor that holds, and we celebrate you. And I pray in Jesus' name.